Okay, great morning, everyone. It is Monday, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. Hope everyone's having had a fantastic weekend and is enjoying this mild winter weather so far. Um, what an incredible week. Uh, we were able to have, uh, my team and I, uh, we hosted our first ever organizational retreat to uh, define clarity in our organization. If you remember one of the calls we had, Oh, probably last month we were talking about Patrick Lencioni's uh, book, The Advantage. He talks about six questions to help define clarity in your organization. You can go back to that that call. But uh, what we spent our, our two days focusing on were uh, why do we exist, how do we behave, what do we do, how will we know we're successful, what's most important right now, and who is responsible for what. And that has you know, really given us a great baseline to start working towards 2016. And it just you know, kind of came out. We amended our mission state, statement a little bit, nothing final, but we are looking at, uh, you know, we exist to improve the lives of individuals who strive to make a difference in the lives of other people. And how does that uh, you know, relate more than, than to uh, charter school leaders and uh, public school leaders and leaders of organizations communities, nonprofits um, that are really, really focused on changing the lives of others. Just a few housekeeping pieces uh, with our LEAD program. Remember, the goal is to lead, learn, equip, advance, and develop. Uh, we have two calls this week. Obviously, we have this mentorship call. Thank you for investing and taking the time. We also have our Thinking Partner Thursday call at Tuesday, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday, every Thursday at 2 p.m. And these will be, we'll have one more full week of these calls as we head into the, the deep holiday season. So we will have one more week of mentorship and thinking partner calls. And next week we also have uh, two great um, learning opportunities for you and your team. And that is Lisa's legal series will be next Tuesday at 11 a.m. as the 15th. And then I will be hosting a governance webinar for your board um, on December 17th at 7 p.m. and I will be focusing on where did all the money go? Looking at more effective fiscal oversight for our governing board. So that is just real quick housekeeping. Um, there's a couple of uh, charter school conferences that uh, you might want to be looking at. One is the Fresh Take Conference at uh, Community School of Davidson. That's going to be held on January 22nd and I think some of the members of Clover Garden went last year. Um, and I, I know Bridges Academy went last year, so if you have the opportunity, I just uh, get an email. They are about full. It's very cheap. It's less than like $60, I think, per person. But it's the best conference that I've seen hosted by a charter school, by teachers, for teachers, for uh, school leaders. That's Community School of Davidson. Great opportunity there. So, so that's just one that you know it might not be on your radar, and and I'll be sending out information about that. So, so uh, speaking of clarity, you know, we had this great, great opportunity with our organization, and nothing needs to define clarity more in an organization than your hiring process, right? Your, your orientation begins with your hiring process. Your, your, your uh, goal to limit teacher attrition begins with your hiring process because turnover is bad for business, okay? You know, the impact of teacher turnover is a giant tidal wave of, of lost time, lost skills, lost resources, and lost credibility to the organization. 
And and it's really important that every organization focus on limiting their turnover. So we talked about, you know, here's just three big uh, pieces. If you look at the research, number one, cost of an organization. On average, it costs between thirty and $50,000 um, to to replace and orient and and build new new members of your team. So every time you're losing somebody, think about it. It's another thirty to fifty thousand dollars from lost resources, okay, lost time. If it's during the school year, you're you're certainly a high impact on student achievement. There was a 2012 study that showed that that charter school turnover is twice as high as traditional public school turnover. Charter school turnover twice as high in 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 some areas of traditional public school turnover. And research shows that it directly impacts student performance when there's teacher turnover. Not not only in the classroom, but in grade levels when you, when you compare it to grade levels who don't have any turnover. Keeping turnover low creates an atmosphere of trust. And it should be the goal of any organization because, again, turnover directly impacts student achievement. It, it, it impacts the culture of your school and your organization. There's some common pitfalls okay we're going to talk about today. And and I can I can tell the greatest story of teacher turnover. When I was a charter school principal, um, I usually I don't want to say I brag about it, but I talk about it often that my turnover rate could technically be equated to over 100% if you think that that's possible. And that's just because sometimes we had multiple people in the same position in one year. Uh, but there is one there's one teacher left. And when I started in 2009, he's he's actually still there. He's the only one left uh, from that time from when I first began. And when I started to to uh, reflect about why why the turnover was so high, I mean, a lot of piece was attitude, programming. Okay, we needed a change to the culture. Some of it was through through incompetence. Okay, so we had lack of follow through with what people said they would do, or the ability to complete the program, or um, you know, implement the programs. Class management was another reason that we had. Turnover, and, and when I think about it, you know, you know, incompetence. It was not only on the teacher side, but it was on my side as well as a brand new school leader. Um, turnover was was the norm at our at our organization, unfortunately. So, Dave Ramsey, who I'm a huge fan of. So a lot of this learning today comes from three or four books. Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership. It's an incredible book. It's not about charter schools. It's just about lead, leading a business. Entrepreneur Roller Coaster is another great uh, book by Darren Hardy. And then my my experiences. And there's another article that I shared uh, that I'll find, you know that I found on the uh, Department of Education that has a lot of really good data about teacher turnover. So everything we're talking about today comes comes from three or four resources. So so Dave Ramsey talks about how. Employees steal, and he wants team members. He's only looking for team members. He's not looking for employees because employees steal. And what does he mean by that? Employees steal time, right? They show up late, 
They're ready to leave early. They cut corners. So he said he's never looking for employees. He's always looking for a team or someone who has the same passion and attitude and love and the buy-in that he does. So I remember when I was when I was a principal, I I looked for those same attributes that I had, you know, that same disease, that same illness in regards to never stop thinking about the children and and the attitude was all about them. It was about the school and, you know, reaching the goals and improving and really focusing our our time on each other and building each other and being there for each other. That whole chain me to the desk and let's go. You know, I'm I'm here for long hours. Now I was a little naive, uh, you know, my first year as a as a principal. I've certainly uh learned learned some of the errors of my ways with with my hiring. But so these are some thoughts of components to a great hiring process, right? So we have to have a process because the, the three common pitfalls in hiring are late hiring, okay, so you're not you're not hiring on time, okay, you're behind the game. If you're not already preparing for next year's hires, I'm gonna say you're behind the game already. There's a lack of rigor with your hiring process. And there's limited data to where you're actually checking. Where do we get our hires from? How successful are they? How successful is our orientation program? What resources, what relationships are we getting the majority of our hires from? And are they staying with us? So I'm going to talk about all these components here. Components to a good hiring process. So get ready. Here we go. The first component is awareness. Okay. And before we can be aware of something, we have to be aware of something. So we have to be aware of, you know, some call it luck, some call it faith. I call it awareness. Okay, that's just what I'm going to call it. So you have to know what you're looking for in a team member. You know, you need to know specifically what it's like to be a charter school teacher. Okay, now this is going to fluctuate based upon the age of your charter school. If you are a pretty established school that has all its programs in place and it just does a lot of tweaking and, and fixing and repairing, then you're looking for someone who's, you know, you could probably adjust. You could go from someone who has younger experience, someone coming out of college, to anybody who is a veteran that's going to fit right in. If you're a brand new charter school in your first year or two, you're building, right? So they need to know that you're not just coming here to work. You're coming here to build. You're coming here to build. So awareness, so where does that come from, right? Your awareness of the inner circle. Your success will be directly correlated to those you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself with a bunch of people who aren't really equipped and understand what they're supposed to be doing, odds are you're not going to be successful as a group. Right? It's going to take time to build this. So I always look for attitude. Attitude was always my first indicator. What kind of attitude was I looking for? You know, I wanted that bulldog in the classroom. The bulldog in the sense that they will blame themselves for every child's failure and they will find a way to get through to the kid. Their personality style. 
look at your team. If you if you are trying to hire for a second grade position, what kind of personalities do the other two or three second grade teachers have? My team and I use this great tool, the the disc, the disc tool. There's everybody has four personality traits: dominant, inspiring, supportive, and cautious. If I've got a team of dominant people, of dominant second grade teachers that are always, you know, kind of butting their heads with each other, but they're really effective and they're getting stuff done. If I hire someone who's who's an S, you know, someone who's supportive, you know, they might get bowled over in that situation. Okay, what do I need? Do I need an I, someone who's just an idea person, someone who can keep bringing ideas to the Ds to carry them out and get them done? What are you specifically looking for? So think about personality styles. You know, how do certain people fit? I remember when I was at Charter Day School, I just remember our headmaster was so good at, at, at her when she was leading the elementary school about forming teams. And really, she really thought and talked about personalities and how people clicked and how, how people can work with each other and how, how others can hold each other accountable and get them to rise to the top. And in skills and experience, and this and this goes back to what specifically are you looking for? Do you need a a strong cur curriculum person in that grade level? Do you need someone who's organized in that? I mean, what do you specifically need in that grade level to just make it fit? Right? You've got to really think about your hires. Okay? Don't just put a body in there, which I did often. There was many times I just had to put a body in there. It was, it was not a good experience. I know if you. Anybody's hired anybody or you know been in charge of hiring you know sometimes you just you just picked what the best was. Which brings me to number two. Recruiting from like what are we what is your recruiting process? Who are you recruiting from? And and this made me think about the law of magnetism, right? You are who you attract. So if you're not getting very quality applicants, you need to take a look in the mirror. Why aren't we getting quality applicants? Who are we? Are we looked at as an effective school in the community? Are we looked at as a great place to work? Or are we just basically getting the people who just need a job, right? The law of magnetism. So what is, you should always be recruiting. And I remember when I was a principal, we had this substitute teacher who was a former Brunswick County traditional public school principal. And he would come substitute for us. And I just basically used him as a mentor. I would just have him come to the school just, just, just to learn because I was just the first or a second year principal. And he was so great. And he told me the story of how when he, when he was in the school system, he would go visit the other schools in the school system. And he would ask the principal, he said, hey, can you take me to your three best teachers' classrooms? Sure, I would, you know, you know, and the principals were all excited. They wanted to show off, and he'd go meet those three best uh, teachers. And you know what he did? He recruited them to come work for him. Right? He watched them teach. He identified who they were, and he found a way to get them in his school. And I just looked at him. I was like, Oh, that's just evil. And he said, He said, Hey, if you want to be the best, you always got to be recruiting. So where are you spending your time? How are you recruiting? You can't recruit from behind your desk, right? You've got to get into the community. You've got to get into other schools. You've got to get those feelers out there. Your best recruiting is going to be based upon the relationships that you currently have. So I remember just living 
at UNC Wilmington in their middle grades program, getting to know all the middle grades professors. And I constantly, because we had no, you know, one of the things when I go back to my awareness piece, I realized we didn't have any middle school certified teachers in our middle school. Nobody knew and understood how to teach middle school. That was one of my, one of my needs, one of my experiences, something I specifically needed was folks who understood adolescence. Where else to go? Go to the university, right? Find those quality people. Okay, so those are the first two. Number one, awareness. And number two, your recruiting process. Where are you recruiting from? All right. Let's talk about process overall. All right, so you're knowing where you're re recruiting from. You have an awareness and idea of where, of what kind of people you want, what kind of people you need, okay, what kind of skills that they have. So let's think about this. Advertising. I always marvel at where people advertise to find charter school teachers. Where can you advertise to find charter school teachers? We're really working hard on it. Hopefully the state will have us on the website soon and you'll be part of the HRMS system. But, I mean, where can you advertise? You know, some schools advertise on their own website. When I was in the office of charter schools, folks would call the office of charter schools all the time and ask, ask for a job. And I said, you want a job at the office of charter schools? They said, no, at your school. And I'm like, well, I don't do that. you got to call the schools directly. So how do you advertise? Jeff and I were just talking, apparently it costs 25 bucks to advertise on Craigslist. I remember we would advertise on the teachers' teachers, and half the time we got some folks that didn't even live in the United States. Where can you advertise? Right? We're hosting a job fair in Charlotte next week. Jeff and I, you know, we went we went to universities, and you know, I, you know, you know, and we posted some stuff. And we contacted university people. But there's no buy-in there. They're like, yeah, okay, I'll hang up your flyer. Yeah, okay, I'll send it out. Is that the most effective use of your time and your money? And another piece that you don't want to be in the resume collecting business. So even if you are advertising, what are you advertising? Do you have a clear job description? people know what a public charter school is? Do they know the difference? Do they understand the difference? Your pay scale is probably different. Your benefits are different. The fact that you have to clean up your own classroom and you're responsible for everything is different. What does your job description say? The stronger your job description, the more easier, the more easier it, it, it will be for people to eliminate themselves. Right? Eliminate themselves from, you know, from applying and whatever whatever team that you have looking through the resumes will be easier for them to decipher who's, who's quality and who's not. I know of a charter school in Durham that offered, that offered a $12,000 finder's fee for an for, um, exceptional children's teacher. $12,000. What are you doing to find and attract the best people? The more quality your organization is, I guarantee you, the more applicants you're going to get. Maybe you could host your own job fair. 
doesn't cost anything to host a job fair, maybe some money for food, or you could host your own job fair, right? So let's think of the next part of the process, right? So I already kind of tipped off this one, but you need to identify a specific team that's going to be responsible for the hiring, okay? This is not something that you have to do as a school leader. You have to make the final decision, but you don't have to read through the resumes. You don't have to make these initial phone calls. So identify your team. Create a team. Maybe it's the grade level that's actually going to be working with this person. How, how, uh, you know, how ideal is that? You're going to be working with them? You are. First step should be some form of contact to the to your top candidates. And I'm not even going to talk about resumes because I feel that they're a waste of time. But I do remember sitting at, at my desk looking through resumes. And if I couldn't figure out what the person was certified to do in the first, like, 60 seconds, I just threw out their resume. But anyway, that's why you that's why you delegate that out. All right, so let's talk about the next steps. Okay, so you've so you've you've got your awareness, you've you've advertised, you've recruited, you've used all your resources, you've contacted the people you know, you've got your team, they've read resumes, and now they've you know identified maybe three three people from the stack, right? So there needs to be some sort of initial call, right? Some some initial process. I know some schools that actually call references first. Now here's the thing. You look at those resumes, what dummy is going to put references on there uh, that they're going to give them bad references, right? So I always required supervisory references, you know, people who actually evaluated their ability to do what they said they could do, like key results areas. So you could do this first initial interview call. It could be a Skype, right? So you, you can see the person face-to-face. -face. I, I, I remember interviewing our um, – our social studies teacher in the in the middle school, she was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and we did, you know, a Skype interview, you know, kind of as the initial, you know, get to know, and it was great because you could actually see her and they can see you, so it's a great tool to get to know them. This is when you knock off your resume questions. You kind of maybe ask some questions there. You just get to know the person, right? You you might talk about your mission and your core values and, and find if their personality is aligned. I remember the question that uh, we asked this person, and, and that Jeff was actually on that Skype call. We we asked him to tell us a joke, and she told us a bang up joke. And maybe Jeff, when he hops on, maybe he'll kind of remember the joke. It's something, something like a Pikachu or something about a shower and a Pikachu. But anyway, it let us know that she had a great personality for kids. She was able, like, on the spot to come up with something, and we it was just a, a clear liking right away. Right? She was able to. I think she's the only person that ever was able to do that. So there should be some sort of initial process, okay? So, so the first step of your process should be kind of eliminating the fat. You know, the people you just didn't click with, okay? Folks who were just a little bit maybe too nervous, all right? But this is where your orientation begins, right? Your orientation really starts here, okay? You really start talking about your non-negotiables, who you are, what you do, what you believe in, what a day looks like as a teacher here. And I tell you, I remember our, you know, our school wasn't for everybody. Lots of friends would want to ask to work there, and I would just tell them, it's not for you. It's not for you. We were in the woods. There was a lot of dirt, right? There was uniform policies for not only the kids but also the teachers. It was just very rigid. It wasn't for everybody. 
me? And I actually missed a step by pot. So I'm going to go back one. So before you do that first phone call, this is something I learned that uh, I interned with uh, North Carolina Virtual Public School years ago when Brian Setzer was in charge. And they had this great Google Doc. It was a rubric for every single hire and every single resume that came in, right? So it was they had these team leaders that were responsible for constantly recruiting because there were so many teachers needed for the North Carolina Virtual Public School. They were always opening up classes. So they, so they gave me permission to see this document. And it was basically all the core values and the key key results areas and, and what they what their expectations were as a teacher. So anytime somebody reached out to one of these people and interviewed, you could actually see their scores in this uh, you know a Google Doc and it actually rated everybody because they were constantly recruiting throughout the school year. It never ever changed. So when I say when you have to have clear um, clear awareness of, of, of what you want, you know, get that in some sort of form, some sort of rubric, and make sure everybody has access to that. So every time they're in contact and communication with this prospect, that they're, that they're documenting it, okay, and not documentation for legal sake, documentation for, you know, giving this person credit or being very, very clear about whether they're a strong candidate or not. All right, so this clear rubric and evaluation tool is very, very important. You can keep this on a Google Drive, right, so everybody has access to it. And say you're on a conference call, everybody can be typing in, so, you know, what I liked, what I didn't like, something that, because everybody hears things differently, everybody's part of the process differently. Okay, you want to make sure your team, your hiring team, thinks they're like-minded, but they think differently, right? They hear differently, they pick up on different things, they're there for specific reasons, right? So just make sure you got this clear tool, have your phone call, okay, and reference calls. Reference calls are so important. And I feel as though they get blown off a lot. Uh, it's very sad. But I, but I remember uh, a few of my strongest hires and failed hires, I remember the reference calls, and I always tried to think if something went well or didn't go well, to think back to those reference calls. And I, and I remember this employee um, who I was told by a very, very reliable source, who was one of our supervisory references, that if you're looking for someone who's just going to be a solid teacher, a solid teacher in your school, and as long as she doesn't have a lot of, like, outside the box or like additional responsibilities for leadership that she will be fine. And I remember we were just going to bring this person on halfway through a school year and and uh, I was like, no, nope. I was like, she's just going to teach, you need to teach this and it'll be very, very clear and she'll be great, right? Because what he had said is that she has a hard time saying no and then when she was with them, uh, she just got herself into a real jam with just being late with assignments and things like that. So he's like, I was like, nope, she's just going to teach. That's great. <laughs> and I left the organization, and a couple years later, she was actually hired as a as the principal. And I remember thinking to myself, oh man, huh. it would have been great if they would have called me before they made that hire, because I have this inside information that I was told by one of you know, the person's references, and maybe they called and reached out to that same person. I don't know. Well. You can kind of read the writing on the wall. Things did not go well, right? Because the person specifically said, under pressure and in high leadership, uh, you know, partners, she, she just did not, she did not perform to the best of her ability, and and unfortunately, it didn't work out for her. 
She didn't last long as the principal. So it's really important to go back to those supervisory calls and be able to ask great questions. This is where you need to learn to be a great question asker because you need to specifically know, like, not just are they a strong worker, how do they handle stressful situations. Ask them to tell you a story of when they overcame some adversity. Ask them to recall specific situations where they had to be coached and how they and how they change and how they shifted, right? If they can, if they're their supervisor and they can't give you specific things about what went well and what they needed to work on, then I'd be very hesitant. I'd be hesitant, you know, about the reference. But I think we get so hung up on these very streamlined reference check calls. Get them to tell you a story. I don't think she's on the call, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna break some FERPA violations here. Uh, Shelby Gorski, who's been incredible, she was a middle school uh, teacher for us and the wife of Jeff, you know, part of our team. I remember when she was getting hired at 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 the current school that she's a principal, and and I got a reference call about her. And that's that's what the guy asked me. He he asked me a bunch of questions. I said, look, let me just tell you the story real quick. When she was a teacher, we had half you know we had half a days every nine weeks for a year-round school. And I remember getting a phone call from a parent who said, hey, does my kid really have to come to school today? Because it's a 45-minute drive. By the time I get there, school's only three hours, and we're going to leave. But he really wants to come to school today because he's got some kind of language arms the benchmark or something, and he, he said, he's I'm going to let my teacher down if I'm not there. And I just remember saying to the parents, like, your child, right, hasn't felt, you know, he, he, was, he was a student with disability. So, uh, you know, for him to, to want to come to school, I said, how could you deny that of, of your son? I mean, your son is wanting to come to school so he can, he can prove to his teacher that, he's, that he is growing and learning. I was like, how could you deny him that? But I told you know it was a much longer story. But I told him that story, and he said, "Okay, I'm good. I don't need to talk to you anymore." Because that's specifically what he was looking for, right? I mean, I knew that story, and I she she could be successful wherever she goes. She's she's such a great great influencer of of you know, kids and other adults. Okay, so be the difference maker, and really think about the questions that you want to ask, right? What stories do you want repeated? Remember, we talked about school culture. What stories do you want repeated in your school? Those are the stories that you want to hear when you're asking for reference checks. All right, so in that process, you, you know, you just have to have awareness. Okay, you have to have some clear tools. Who's in charge of it? Who's overseeing it? All right, have a clear system, right? So my next step is you've you got to get them on your campus. Okay, you've got to get them on your campus. And, and we got to a point in our, in our second and third year that our hiring process was probably three to four weeks long. And you were expected to be on campus at least for one full day. I had some people that would be on campus for three or four days in a row because they just really wanted to work for us. At least they thought they did. You know, so they would be there on a daily basis, they'd be teaching classes, they'd be volunteering. I mean, you could really get to see them in your culture, right? Because it's hard to judge via interview what kind of person they're, because anybody can fool you for 45 minutes. But 
spend the whole day, let him, you know, be part of it. Ben Butler, who's at Shining Rock Classical, I don't know if we have anybody from Shining Rock on the call. He had this great process this year where, you know, it was a brand new school opening up. And he actually said, hey, look, um, I'm going to come to your school and observe you teach. And he would go to their school. He said, just, you know, tell the school I'm a visitor or I'm a, you know, you know, I'm, you know, from another area, and I'm trying to look at best uh, best of practices. He would go to their school, and if they weren't comfortable, with, you know, with it, he didn't have a school yet, so he would set up them to go teach other classrooms at other um, Challenge Foundation academies. What a brilliant process, right? Not only did you know he didn't have the tools to do it on his own campus, right? But even if he did, I love his uh, thinking process that he would go see them in their culture, right? Because then you really couldn't change. I mean, you can't fake that. He could see the student engagement from what, what that teacher has been doing all year. Okay, lots of great opportunities there. So get them on your campus. Know what you want them to do. Raleigh Charter High has a very similar process. Uh, they, they, they would not only teach students, right? They not only do mock lessons for the students, but they would also do mock lessons for the teacher. And I just always always remember when we did that on campus, I went right to the students. What did you think? Tell me what you liked, you know? How did you feel? Community School of Davidson, their you know, students are part of the process where they actually get to they they get to interview the new the new staff member. That's part of the process. You've got to go and be interviewed by students, because they know the culture. They've been there for, for you know, 10 years. Now, remember when I said that one of the common pitfalls is late hiring, right? So you've got to have an idea. This has to be a year-long process. You've got to constantly be recruiting and constantly having these opportunities of people in your school. Right? Bring them on as substitutes first. Bring them on as teacher assistants first. Right? You're constantly cultivating recruiting for that next opportunity. Because if that teacher leaves over a, a three-week break or a winter break because they had an opportunity or they had to move or, or maybe their spouse is in the military, they had to pick them to go, you've got someone who can come right in who's already immersed into your culture. Okay? So, so think about a process here. Think about a process. Be responsive, not reactive. Dave Ramsey talks about a few aspects that he that he asked, and this was really interesting, intriguing to me. There were two things I thought uh, were really outside the box. Um, one was he would ask to have a, a dinner with the prospect and their family or their spouse. And I thought about it when I was first hired as a principal, first coming out of traditional public schools, actually as a teacher, in a charter school, the superintendent at that time asked to meet my wife. He said, because I really want to know that this is the right thing for you. I want to make sure if you're going to leave a school system, something that's brand new to you, that I'm comfortable with it, right? And when I was reading, reading, uh, you know, reading Entree Leadership over the weekend, Dave Ramsey does the same thing because he talks about how broken, broken home lives don't make for the best employees, right? Because, because they're constantly... You know, things are going on at home. Their personal life has got issues. 
the part two that he asked for, now this is a little bit different in our world because, you know, school teachers don't make a lot of money, but he asked to see a budget. He asked to see their personal finances. He asked to make sure if, if that you that you can support yourself on the salary I'm about to offer you. Right, because broke people are also miserable, right? Folks that are always so money problems and home problems don't create the best employees, right? Because they're constantly worried about other pieces. I mean, you could certainly have an aspect of this within, you know, within your hiring process, right? It's just more information, it's more data to bring on to make sure that you're bringing on the right people. They have to understand that, you know, I mean, most of them usually do, but if you're bringing in someone from a corporate world, right, because we can bring a lot of people in, only half our teachers need to be licensed and certified. So you might be bringing someone on, and they think they can live on $35,000 a year, but can they really? Some folks just need a job, but, you know, is that who is that who you're looking for? Because remember I told you how expensive turnover is. It's not only expensive financially, but it's expensive towards the culture of your school. And then finally, when you're really at this last part, you know, this last part of your hiring process, you, you have to have that key results conversation. This conversation should, should be going on throughout your entire hiring process about, you know, what is it we expect of you? It's not only teaching, right? It's engaging, it's building kids socially, developing curriculum, developing a school, developing a program, communicating to your staff, to your students, to your parents, additional duties, right? Being at school early, you're going to have to be outside in the rain during carpool. Basically, think of these words. What does a winning teacher in your school look like? If you can visualize that and somehow capture that on paper or a drawing or a visual, whatever, those are your key results areas. You know, what does a winning teacher at your school look like? And another thing, you know, you could have a 90-day orientation period, right? You could have everybody, you could have your school have their contract set at, you know, for the first 90 days. I mean, technically everybody's on an at-will contract, but as Lisa just taught us a couple months ago with her legal series, there really is no such thing as an at-will contract. You could have, you know, temporary orientation contracts. If they can get through the first 90 days, then you offer them a full contract. And you see how willing they really are to be part of the team, part of the organization. <laughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to comb back through that real quick before I move forward. And star six gets you into the queue. So if any of want, want me to read people, we're going to send these back out to you in a list. But so promising practices, right? So these are the promising practices of, of your hiring process. Number one, define the, define the ideal teacher. What does winning look like as an employee, as a as a team member of your organization? Okay, to do that, you need to be aware. You know, you know, it goes back to your awareness, right? So number one, define your ideal teacher. Number two, build a pipeline. Okay, build a recruitment pipeline. Some people use Teach for America. You can, but that's expensive. Okay, some people have uh, you know pipelines with uncommon schools and building excellent schools. I mean, there's Kip, right? There's there's these incredible organizations out there, but you can build a pipeline to your universities. 
Okay, but it needs to go back to your reflection. You need to reflect on the things that, like, who do we get our best teachers from? Okay, so build a pipeline, number two. All year. So all year long, you should be preparing. You should be preparing for the next upcoming year, constantly cultivating, recruiting, visiting schools, going to see people, right? Just like that uh, principal used to do in, in uh, Brunswick County. Number four, establish a rigorous process. I was sharing with Jeff some of the data that I had found that um, there was this a survey done with 11,000 teachers who, were, who were, 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 were interviewed by these schools. And they basically put the schools into two categories. One were high-impact achievement school culture schools, and the rest were um, low, low achievement. So they tried to make it a 50-50, right? So 71% of the teachers interviewed by the high-achieving academic schools felt that their interview process was rigorous compared to 47% felt that the other schools was not a rigorous process, right? So it's basically telling you that the higher understanding you have of your culture and your academic achievement, the more rigorous the interview process is. The lower achieving your school is, the less rigorous it is, right? So why is it? Probably teacher turnover is very high in those schools. They just need a body. They just need someone to come in. But it also goes to show that their whole entire plan isn't very good. Invest all year, establish a rigorous process. Three more. Your process sets your expectations as an employee, right? So at the very beginning, when you're starting your process, your key results area, that initial interview sets the orientation. You're setting the expectations of when this person comes on board. Okay, so your process sets your expectations. The higher expectations with your hiring, the higher the expectations will be when the person's actually a team member. Number six, assign a dedicated staff to do the hiring. Okay, assign a team, recruit a team to do it. If you're one who sees the good in everybody, you probably don't need to be on the hiring team. I don't remember spending a lot of time with a lot of my hires. By the time we got to a process, they'd be on campus. I'd observe them a couple times. I'd sit in the interview for a little bit. I already knew. I trusted my team that they were going to make a great decision because they spent the time and they're the ones that are actually going to be working with this person. So find a team to carry out 90 to 95% of this actual duty. Most importantly, number seven, learn from your experiences. Okay, you should always be reflecting. If you lose... If you lose somebody, right, I still remember my first fire and my first hire. My first fire was on Valentine's Day 2010 or 9. Still, still remember it to this day. And came to that was my first hire. She was also the first person to, to leave the organization after I hired, right? So I had a lot of reflecting and opportunities. What could I have done differently? What about it? What about through my process and my hiring? didn't, you know, didn't work out, I didn't prepare her for, right, because I love this quote by uh, Mark Bailey, who's the principal of Maureen Joy, when I was working with him recently, he said, uh, 
so we were talking about turnover, and he said there's he said he doesn't believe in in such thing as um, non non regrettable loss, right? Regrettable non regrettable attrition. He said because if you hired them, then you had a job to equip them and help them be better employees. Okay, if they do something unethical, that's a little bit of a different story, but. And I really thought about that. I was like, yeah, because you know, if you if you recruited them, and you oriented them, and you're coaching them, then it was your responsibility to pick up on those inabilities to either be coached, okay, poor attitudes, things like that. So reflection is really, really critical. Learning every time you hire, learn from your process. Okay, moving forward, I want you to think about these three these three areas. This is why turnover occurs. Three areas that I came up with when I was thinking about. Okay, three areas that you can think about that can you instill into your hiring process to make sure that they don't occur, or at least you limit the amount of times that they occur. Number one, personal problems. The number one reason for turnover is personal problems. People don't quit companies, they quit people. So if you don't have processes in your organization to be able to help your people, it's going to be very difficult, right? If you're not helping them through communication, if you're not helping them through coaching, if you're not making sure that they're resourced, okay, it leads to turnover, right? Because then if they're unhappy at home and they're unhappy at their job, they're just unhappy. You need to know your people. Two, failure in leadership. Okay, I just hit on that a little bit, but failure in your leadership. Is a key reason why turnover occurs. You can't just hire someone and expect them to just go. Here's the books, here's the materials. Here's our charter application. Read it all and Godspeed. Okay. Failure in leadership one, personal problems number two, and number three is incompetence. Okay. Everybody's incompetent in one as as a leader, it kind of falls back on leadership because everything rises and falls with leadership. So maybe really there's only one reason. Release folks from their weaknesses. Know their passions and their areas of strength and make sure that they stay in their lane. So everything that we've talked about over the last four months about leadership needs to be put in your hiring process, building relationships, listening, reflecting, growing, understanding, building a team, understanding personality styles. Okay, all of this is why turnover occurs. So if you take those three reasons why turnover occur and you shift them back into your hiring process over the seven or more you know, pieces that we talked about, you're going to have a much more successful academic year, right? You're going to be able to establish better relationships with your people. You're going to make sure that the, that the right people are in the right positions. Okay, remember, because the wrong people in the right Positions equals um, confusion. The right people in the wrong 
positions is frustration. So you want to put your right people in the right positions, which leads to success, and the right people into multiple positions equals significance, right? That's a multiplication of successes when you do that. So here's your call to action. Your call to action. And we're going to send these back out, but real quick. Your call to action, these are your essential questions that you need to answer as a charter school principal. Where can we find the best candidates, number one? Where can we find the best candidates? What has worked with our current hiring processes? Number three, how do we know if a candidate is a good fit for our school culture? How do we know if a candidate is a good fit for our school culture? How do we set the expectations for our new hires? How are expectations set for our new hires? How effective is our orientation process? Do we even have an orientation process that's more than just the first couple of days of your of your school year, right? Everybody has those couple of days. You go through the handbook. I mean, really, that, that, that's not an orientation process. That's management. And last one, how can our hiring process be improved for sustainability based on our current turnover rate? All right, so these are six questions you're, you're going to re reflect on. Where can we find the best candidates? What has worked in our current hiring process? How do we know if a candidate is a good fit for our school culture? How are expectations set for our new hires? How effective is our orientation process? And how can our hiring process be improved for sustainability based on our turnover data? Those are six questions that I want you to reflect on. Okay? And it's going to take you to starting to put some stronger hiring tools, right? We talked about the ideal teacher and job descriptions, clear hiring process and timelines, structure for demonstration lessons, and systems for analyzing recruitment data to improve our practices. That is my teaching for this morning. I'd love to hear any feedback. We've got 12, 12 people on the line. Hopefully, go ahead and hit star six. We'll get you in. Um, hit star six, and then one will get you into the queue. If you've got any thoughts or any questions or any follow-up, or you would love to share a story about hiring process that you currently have, maybe something similar. I mean, there's so many great opportunities out there. There's so many tools out there, but it, this is a great off-site quarterly conversation for you and your leadership team is we, we we really need to look in the mirror of our hiring process let's let's look at the people we've hired over the last three years and how have we been successful and let's make sure that we're focusing our time right so I can guarantee you you could probably use the Pareto principle here 80% of your hires right probably come from 20% of your advertising or recruitment strategies guarantee it Right. So go ahead, and I would schedule that with your team, get that going, bring in all this data, look at your turnover, look at your attrition. Start lining up there. Wait for someone to get into the queue. Go ahead and hit star six on your phone, and number one, and it'll pop you right in.
All right. Well, listen, I hope this call added value to you. I'll give another 60 seconds here if someone has a golden nugget. Hope this call added value to you. Oh, we've got some. we got someone in there. All right. Jeff Gorski, go ahead. Yeah, hey, Tom. Thanks for the teaching. Sounded great. My one question for you uh, to comment on here is, you know, the suggestions that you gave take time. Sometimes, like you said in your call, you're stuck and you've got to fill a position. How can you marry the idea of using this process with the urgency of getting someone into that position to take care of your kids? Yep. So uh, when I kind of refer to it, I'll see if I still have access to it, um, and I'll you know, blank it all out. But when I was with the North, the North Carolina Virtual Public School, I mean, this really opened my eyes in a sense of they were recruiting all year, and they basically had, you know, and I said, you're not in the business of collecting resumes, but they were in the business of collecting resumes, but they had a clear, streamlined process. Every time a resume came in, someone was in charge of reaching out to that person, you know, finding out what, what they could do, and there was a ranking system. So they basically had a minor league list of potential teachers. And so when I think about our time at Chartered A School, we also had uh, a lot of teacher assistants. We were hiring certified teachers as our teacher assistants in hopes, you know, and just kind of, and every, or, every training that we did, they, they came along, they were invited to everything. Everything teachers did, the teacher assistants did. So, so I think you have to be intentional with, with, with your teacher assistant hiring, right? If you're a good enough organization, um, folks will take less money to come work for you in the hopes that they will be, um, you know, one of those key key um, educators one day. Um, so that that would be the first way, right? So just be responsive, bring people on, get substitutes on. You're just you know constantly getting people into your school. I I'd say that is the best way uh, to start doing that. If you're already a school who's maybe in a rural area. Uh, or just having a hard time recruiting people or getting subs, then I, I think it kind of goes back to that law of the mirror. you, you got to take a look at yourself and find out why you're having such a difficult time. Is it really because we're just in a county that doesn't have a lot of um, you know, opportunity? If that's the case, you create your own teacher leadership academy, right, Jeff? This is something you were talking about, right? You could start, if, if you got a heavy unemployment in the area, Bring folks on to do some teacher training, right? You, you know, you, you uh, do it at night, and, and, and you bring upon an opportunity for community members to be a part of your school. Remember, you only have to have 50% of your, your staff license, right? So if you find good people with strong attitudes and you're a good instructional leader, you can teach people how to be greater teachers, right? So you want to bring people who have a great attitude on, and you could possibly also bring them in, right? So you're, so you're bringing opportunity to the, from the community into your school, um, and, and that would be another, you know, step if you're really having that, you know, hard of a time. But I, but I think it takes this deeper look at yourself and, 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 and look at real data. And if you're not taking time to look at the data, then that's problem number one. Um, so find out why you're losing teachers. Have a clear system of you know when the teachers live, leave. You shouldn't be doing the exit interviews as a principal. You should be delegating that out to someone you trust. Maybe it's a third party, whoever it is. So you can get that information. And and if you're looking to grow as a school leader, um, 
then you'll make those those key decisions uh, when you need. So I hope I answered your question. The key was just be responsive rather than reactive and trying to get as many people, uh, you know, in there. It also makes me think about hospitals, right? Hospitals. I just remember reading when I was in a doctoral program about the hiring process of hospitals, and they had talked about how nurses and you know doctors would take on extra shifts because they didn't just want a warm body, right? So maybe in your organization you have to have that conversation with the other teachers and your team and say, hey, look, we could either fill this position with this human being. Um, I don't think we have found the right person yet, or Everybody can take, you know, five or six kids, or we can find a way. We can not have our um, you know, planning periods for a week or two, and we can really make sure that we keep on recruiting and, you know, get the right person. So, so I think again, if you're if you're a team and you can have those crucial conversations and say, hey, look, I just don't want to bring in anybody. I want to bring in the right person for us. So you go back to the other process of let's, how can we look at our schedule um, and our Current uh, student list to you know you know be able to cover uh, you know this class. So we're doing what's best for the children and the organization um, as a whole. Does that make sense? Jeff, you there? Oh, sorry, I messed up muted again. Uh, you know, my uh, my number one favorite position in the school to have as a charter school leader who struggled to find good substitute teachers was someone that we called a permanent sub, but really it was someone who had that designation as kind of next man up or next woman up, uh, just ready to fill in in any spot. So it was someone who I was completely comfortable saying, you know what? Our sixth grade math teacher uh, left. This person knows the school, knows our procedures, knows <laughs> they know all about what it means to be a, a student and a teacher at this school. They can fill in for two weeks, for four weeks, for six weeks in that position while I find that right person and then go back to their, uh, their normal duties. Um, and that person was invaluable to maintaining the integrity of our, of our culture while we found the right person for the job. Great. Excellent. Great points. All right, we've got a 704 number here. Let's see. Hey, this is Tom. Hey, Tom. This is Steve. How you doing? I'm great, Steve. How are you? Good. Um, one thing, it's kind of along what you were saying, uh, I've heard the principal of the year, he's principal at Pac Tullis um, School mm -hmm. in Pitt County, I think he's K-8. They had a huge turnover, and now he's got where he has almost no turnover. And what he said, they will start in February interviewing possible candidates, even though they don't have any openings, and letting people know. And they're setting their, their, they've gotten such a good routine with this that they've got to set up a good reputation of X, Y, and Z. So they got a bunch of teachers, and so when one leaves, he's got a he's got a, a gamut to look from. So he's not waiting to the last minute. He's got things in place that so when somebody leaves, he's ready to pick one. So he yeah. said, you know, it's something they do all year long, really. Now, yep. the other part of that yep. on the relationship side is he does a lot of things with, he had 21 BT teachers. And so mm -hmm. he spent a lot of time building that BT relationship. And like last year, he only lost two of his BTs. And so 
wow. he it's all goes back to the relationship piece we've been talking about for the past four months too. Excellent. What was the name of that school again, Stephen? He is the principal at Pack Tullis. It's in uh, Pitt County. Okay, excellent. Well, great opportunity. Maybe we can reach out to him and and hear about some of his practices. Or you know, you know, maybe read more. It makes me think about. I think it was like 2011, might have been 2000. That would have been 2013 or 12. I actually got to go to the Community School of Davidson retreat, and they host their annual retreats in April. And they had like 150 people there, and about 20 people were their hires for the next year. Right, so they already had all their hires established and identified, and and they were part of the retreat for the planning for the upcoming year. And I was like, wow, most schools haven't even identified what their openings are. This school yeah. has already gotten ahead, hired your people, and they brought them into the most important cultural building activity that they do per year. Which makes me think about you know a lot of you know, a lot of teachers are like, well, can you not call my supervisor because you know you know like I got to complete the school year and I don't want to make any problems. It's like, you know, these folks are like, this is such a great opportunity for us to be in. Yes, of course we'll be at your retreat and, and all those other aspects. So you're right. I mean, it has to be a year-long process. And, again, everybody thinks, I don't have the time to do it. But just think about how much time does it take to replace all those teachers. I remember as a principal substituting in science. No kid should have ever had me as their science teacher. It was a horrible experience for them, I'm sure. So, you you know, we've got to constantly be thinking about it and having that minor league system, you know, ready to go, just like you just described in Pitt County and I was, you know, talking about at the virtual public school. So thank you. Definitely a resource we should all look into. The other resource that we have, um, like in our region, Erica Newkirk is the BT mm -hmm. support person. She actually has a list of all the job fairs already posted oh. on their website. So that's Fantastic. huge. And so you know when they're coming up. And I'll put a plug in. You talked about UNC Wilmington. We've got some great people from UNC Wilmington. They had the best turnout last year of all the job fairs in the eastern part of the state was at uh, Wilmington was the best, yeah. even, better in, even better than East Carolina's. Wow. Yeah, I do. When I worked there for a year and when, you know, we were down in that area, it was always incredible. I mean, it was such a, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people there. It was overwhelming. Actually, I remember that. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, job job fairs are critical, right? So maybe one thing at the start of the year when you're creating your calendar for that year, uh, if you could forward me that uh, link, Steve, and we can get it out to everybody with that, um, you know, BT uh, coordinator's um, website. Uh, you yes. know, put those job fairs on there, right, and sign up from, you know, some of them cost money, some don't. Um, and something we're trying to do with the accelerator is, is you know, is to offer free free job fairs, and we've got one in Charlotte coming up. So we would love to be able to help with that process and help you all. So, you know, school wants to host it. You know, we can certainly start to organize it and get it all going for everybody. So great great opportunities okay. there. Thank you so much, Stephen. Let me see if we got one more in here. Let's see. We got hey bud, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. All right. Um, I think the discussion today and the ideas that have been put forth really underscore uh, a question I was asked as a prospective principal is what's the most important thing that you do? And it was recruiting mm -hmm. and hiring teachers. So That's right. uh I only thing I have to add is I use teams of teachers to help with uh, the interview process where one team would 
emphasize uh, relationships and culture and all those kinds of things, and then another team would be questioning the person's uh, knowledge of teaching techniques and curriculum. And then we would come together and see where we lined up and get the ideal candidate. So, I love so that wor worked well. And also to collect a writing sample from a candidate from a first-time interview to see what uh, how they did with uh, writing about curriculum or whatever subject was germane to the position they had. That's over. right. That's right. Oops. I remember that process, but and I actually stole that process when I was with the Office of Charter Schools. When we were hiring, we had created a case study and had had someone write out a report, and I took that from you. So. I totally forgot about that process. Yeah, a whole writing component, and I love the fact that you use your team's strengths to to identify potential strengths and areas for growth with your potential candidates. Fantastic yeah. tool with multiple interviews, looking at it from different perspectives of everybody. I love it. Well, one other thing that I did on occasion when I had a lot of a lot of candidates, I would have a, I guess. Uh, we didn't call it that, but it was more like a job fair where we would have uh, a reception, is what we called it, a reception for prospective teachers, and we'd have all my staff there to meet them and greet them and talk to them and show them around the building. And then all of a sudden, those candidates that came to that little uh, reception, all of a sudden, the good ones started standing out and popping out, and the teacher would come into me and say, "You got to, you got to interview this person because boy, they really know their stuff." Yeah. It was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good way to make a screening and get a lot of people in real quick, and and right. uh, get to know people as well. Another, another <laughs> great idea. Another great idea. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bud, for your time. And your experience and 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 your ideas. I mean, if you if you've been hanging on this call, we're we're over an hour now. If you've been hanging on this call, there is no reason for you not to be over this you know break, you know, over this time to reflect about thinking about your hiring process. I know we've got some folks that are just about to open up a school um, on this call. I mean, you've got a lot of work to do. As Bud said, your number one criteria, your number one responsibility, is to recruit and retain and develop your staff. Uh, so, you you know, if you're a board member, you might just be looking for a principal, let alone hiring all your staff. So, uh, so important, as, as I said, you know, the law of the inner circle, John Maxwell says, you will only go as far as the people that you surround yourself with. Amen. Okay, and that is just so important to think about. Thank you so much, Bud, and everybody else who participated in the queue. Is there anybody else who would like to hop in? Um, I got time for you, so would love to love to hear from anybody else. We had a great call today. Great ideas. We'll make sure we get this recording and the resources back out to you as soon as possible. Excellent. Here we go. Hey, Janacy, how are you? You there, you you might be muted on your side, Janetia. Can you hear me? Yep, there we go. We got you. Okay. Go ahead. How um, are I you? I just wanted. To, I'm finding yourself. Um, better than I deserve. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to uh, thank you for this for this call. I've been taking a lot of notes and everything, and I'm, you know, we're actually having a board meeting on Wednesday, so it's something I can pass on to the board. 
for us to talk about more and just prepare us when it's, you know, our time to get to that phase. Yeah, critical. Yeah, critical. And and what a great opportunity as you guys head, you know, towards your interview process is to is to be maybe this is something you could uh, you know, have as a handout. Say, Hey look, we've already thought about our hiring process, here's where we started to recruit. I mean when you're trying to open up your school the advisory want the advisory board wants to hear about being responsive and and mm-hmm. and how much work you've done to uh, you know already established partnerships so um okay. so so excited for you all and 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 I'm so glad you enjoyed the the call today and this will definitely be a different environment for you you know coming from um you know defending our country and and the right. recruitment process is a little bit different to now to now being a a, a public school leader um it's going to be uh you know great for you and your team yes thank you oh you're welcome and if you guys don't know, that's uh, that's that's the Uproar Academy. So they submitted their their charter school application this year. So um, they hope they hope to be opening in. I don't even know what the time. I, I guess it's fall of 2017 if they're able to get their charter. They'll be going through the process over the next couple of months of being interviewed and ready to go. So a lot of a lot of work. Everybody knows we got you know we got a lot of charter school founders on here, and they kind of probably remember those days of what it's like trying to get your school open. So. Some great mentoring opportunities. Well, listen, everybody, this has been a fantastic call. Clearly, uh, you know, maybe a topic we need to continue to, uh, you know, talk about and get resources out to you because it certainly, you know, brought a lot of folks onto the call. Because as Bud said, it is the most important. If if you don't have very good teachers, you're not going to be a very good school, and you've got to be able to recruit them. They're not just, you know. Because you know, developing them over time, and you know, you know, starting from you know folks that don't have a very high skill level, is also very, very uh, you know difficult. So you want to be recruiting the best uh, to your organization to make sure they're in the right positions to be successful. And again, it all it all starts with being intentional with your process. Intentional with your process will make the difference. Everybody have a great Monday. Make it a great week. And just a reminder, we got Jeff's call Thursday at 2 o'clock, and we'll have one more week of mentorship calls before we uh, say goodbye to 2015 with you all. This has been incredible, and make it a great day and be safe.